All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two. I feel like Janet Jackson. Welcome to the X Factor, everyone. Tonight, you just have Carson and myself, uh, the mad fat teacher. Nancy is doing Nancy things. She's, she's becoming a lawyer. She's got midterms and, and cases to write and, and people to hang out with. And so she's taken the week off. Uh, she's had a busy week and she couldn't meet with us tonight. So we'll welcome her back next week. But I think Carson and I will be able to make it through uh, and tonight we're going to talk about Santa Anita a little bit, but Carson, you sent me earlier. So we were just talking about Santa Anita before we started recording Carson, and you were talking about the mandatory payout. And that's one of the things that I don't really understand when it comes to horse ra racing and betting. Could you explain to me and anyone in the audience who is as, uh, naive as I am, uh, how the mandatory payouts work? Okay, well, well, one, we we talk about this and you're not naive. Uh, <laughs> you have a good foundation and we spent uh, last, well, has it been two weeks already since Santa Anita? I know, like, and I miss it already. I can't by. wait to see you again. Let's go back soon. Um, I agree. Back soon. <laughs> it reminds me of that Winnie the Pooh episode where they... They confused the back soon with, the, oh, with this monster. <laughs> yes, I remember. Uh, <laughs> things you read with a toddler. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but the mandatory payout, and then they also have the guaranteed pools. And sometimes the language can be confusing. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a guaranteed pool where you're splitting a minimum amount if somebody hits. However, um, like with Keeneland, where they will pay four out of the five legs or five out of the six legs of a pick six, you have a mandatory payout, meaning maybe the meet is ending or they have the sum of money that they need to disperse and it has to go. So it's technically, I guess what you would call, you're either splitting a scoop. So a scoop would be where one person has the winning ticket and you get the whole pot and it doesn't matter if it's a mandatory payout or not. But if you have the mandatory payout, that means they have to force the money and mm -hmm. the most right or correct tickets get it. So. Oh, okay. So that, that I would imagine draws a lot of players to it. I think that a lot of people that do play the serials are, they exclusively look for the mandatory payout dates. Um, so you could go through on whatever platform you search on mm -hmm. um so it's basically a jackpot you're you're playing the mega millions of horse racing yeah if you will and they will only play on those days because their their return on the investment is is going to be the best because if they don't scoop then they're really splitting maybe right. 45 people get the ticket correct then you can split oh. everything with everybody else um Anyway, so you have constellation payouts with the other tickets that are split. Wow. But on this uh, jackpot mandatory payout, you can really hit a hit a big dollar sign. So. Gotcha. So if on mandatory payouts, like for someone who maybe just has the foundations like I do, would you recommend still putting something together and, and trying it, you know, just because of of that the nature of it? Like, would that be a little easier for me to play? 
Uh, so I don't understand the question because you should play every day. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> this um, is, you're, tr- you're absolutely right. I, practice makes perfect. Yes, pra- exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's, you have carryovers from people that don't get the one single winning ticket mm-hmm. and they're splitting a pot from the day. So you get the carryover from the meat. Um, and a lot of times, like with these high dollar meats like Santa Anita in the fall, Keeneland in the fall, Saratoga, of course, is mm-hmm. the notorious, well, not notorious, but um, that would give me like negative connotations. But <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know, they just have the one time a year. So a lot of people, of course, play and focus on their track. Yeah. Um, Wow. I may have to try and put something together for Sunday. Then I'll float it to you and post it on my account, uh, right. my Twitter when I do it, but wow. I like this, the sound of that, especially since, you know, there's seems like there's a better chance of winning on. Right. Those so. Right. So technically you don't have to scoop. Okay. You're getting the day's wagers. So everybody that's put in money into the pot for that day. And then mm-hmm. also everything that's carried over from what hasn't been scooped from whatever the takeout is for at each feed and each track is different, but gotcha. Um, your multiplication factors are exponential. Um, so it's attractive to people that want to invest Maybe you want to build a $120 ticket yeah, and get a better ROI on that versus playing some weekly uh, pick four, pick five, where, yeah, a, a decent ticket could get you 1500 bucks or, you know, depending on what's going on at the track. Wow. Uh, that was- you're rolling the dice and getting a bigger payout, but this is mm-hmm. your attracting more people to dump into that pot to multiply so like when the mega millions is 420 million you know that on tuesday (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's probably gonna double triple because everybody wants a shot at it you know for sure i know a lot of that's my best analogy sorry (laughs) i like it it works and I, i know a lot of people in las vegas you know whenever there's a mega millions like that they have to drive to the California border to get a ticket or over to Pahrump where, you know, all the, uh, the sex workers are at, but yeah. So I get that. I'm, I think I'm going to play it on Sunday. Then I'm convinced and I'll force Nancy to play with me as well. <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. It's Saturday. Okay. Got it. Have to get up early. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm okay with that. Um, get up with flight line. <laughs> yes. Like I was unable to last time, man. Wow. I think oh, I'm still recovering from that trip a little bit. Yes. Yeah. But it was a good trip. I can't wait to do it again. Um, yes. <laughs> so where are, we were talking earlier this week and we had intended to record with Nancy, but the PPs haven't come out, hadn't come out at that point. And so when I was looking at Sunday's Santa Anita card, um, I was terrified because I struggle with handicapping uh, maiden races. And it appears as if this card is riddled uh, with a couple, well, not, not riddled, but it has enough to put me off a bit. Um, but race nine, which is the one that we looked at, the California flag handicap. Um, that is the downhill turf course at Santa Anita. And I really enjoyed, uh, handicapping this race. How did you feel about it? 
I so I think that this course is like so unique and I try to liken it to Kentucky Downs, but since mm-hmm. Kentucky Downs can be so rude and unforgiving, yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like you can get a little bit better grasp of how things go here on this course. Um, not always, um, but like Keeneland has been very humbling for me on the tour, mm-hmm. <laughs> even just these past two weeks. So why I know why it's humbling for me, but why is turf different for you? Cause we were just talking about this before we started recording. Oh, I, so, so turf for me is like the most exciting. I feel like it's mm-hmm. the truest form for the horse. The surface mm-hmm. is I grew up fox hunting. So Ooh. we would take horses over, you know, countryside, uh, steeplechase of course is similar to it the most yeah. but um the turf courses with the change in uh not necessarily elevation but in a sense yes um mm-hmm. surface you're going in a left turn but then you're also navigating up and then santa anita specifically goes across the main dirt track yeah uh, to finish it and some horses just sort of look at it weird it's uh it's a different area uh, i don't even know if it's like the lighting or or they just mm-hmm. can sense everything i you know i feel like right. have that sixth sense all around in general um, yeah. and it's always like this open variable mm-hmm. so not all the other turf courses have that um even with kentucky downs having the the uh, grade and the turns of the course being not the strict oval. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has this fifth element. I'm going to be so cliche in this. <laughs> this fifth <laughs> element to the course, meaning that you have the the odd shape and not the uniform turns, but then right. in that you have to cross over this second surface, even though it's only like. I'm horrible at distance because I'm a woman and, you know, if I did GPS, I'd be like, turn ahead and <laughs> 60 yards, uh, but you would cross, I don't know, what is it, like 90 feet of dirt? Okay, dirt um, so you're on so it long enough to feel jarred by it. <laughs> right, gotcha. so these uh, downhill races, <laughs> long story short, circling back, uh, these are younger horses um, and they're going over a couple of different surfaces, albeit a very short space of time where they're over an actual dirt surface, but it's something new to them, you know? Um, and then also the shape and how they break from the gate and they come down this hill and you're looking down the hill and uh, with the way that horses' visions are set up anatomically, I think it's mm-hmm. it's unique uh, to say the least. So it's uh, it's... I don't even know. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> right? trying to predict a lot of things from not a lot of concrete yeah. experience. So well, looking at PPs, they might not have run down anything like this before. And that's actually my, that was going to be my next question, because now I'm wondering, how does a trainer get a, a horse ready for this particular course at Santa Anita? I mean, I would imagine a trainer and even the jockey, you can't be too certain about how your horse is going to do just because of all of the variables that you mentioned. 
I would agree. I wish that if I could train horses, then maybe I would be doing better in life, but not. <laughs> <laughs> like, however, I will speak for trainers like Graham Motion and Carrie O'Brien, who are running horses at Fairhill that have these similar aspects to their training surfaces. Oh. Um, so I would have to think that there's some sort of mindset link there. Um, gotcha. unfortunately I am super East coast biased. Um, mm-hmm. I do love the West coast and would love to spend more time out there and study all these training barns and their different practices. Yeah. That would be fascinating. I would love to, to like, just be a fly on the wall in some of these trainers, you know, meetings or whatever, and discussing how they're going to approach and, and go from there. It's a fascinating topic to me. I, I can't even begin to imagine what horse training starts with, but I would be eager to find out. So um, I'm like all about the flat. <laughs> I mm-hmm. will I used to break uh, quarter horses in college. So, oh, wow. I'm very familiar with how horses behave and their mindset and mm-hmm. how they perform. And I could probably predict how a horse would perform in a secondary discipline. Gotcha. So when I was about 15, I think I took in my first off-track thoroughbred and um, have been doing it ever since. Um, but tra- taking them from the track and then deciding what they like to do or how their body moves best is okay but at a at that high speed at 32 miles an hour I don't think I could do that that's so much it's, right. it's so impressive to me how they can yeah orchestrate that so. wow I had no idea that you you'd started that young so horse racing is kind of in your blood yes I've uh, been <laughs> been involved in it in, in different aspects for very long and i hate that I've gotten away from the actual riding aspect and the interaction with the animal. I feel like I'm a little bit detached doing the photography and yeah, just sort of spot handicapping for fun. Uh, but uh, my stepdad grew up working on Guggenheim Plantation in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which is where Dark Star did some of his early training. And he's like oh. my favorite story. So, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so you, when it, when you were getting, like, you're doing that, you know, 18 years old, everybody's asking you, what do you want to be or do when you graduate was, uh, equine science ever an option or was it always going to be nursing? Oh, no. <laughs> I think that if I could have passed organic chemistry, I probably mm-hmm. would have been a large animal vet by now. <laughs> oh, Wow. But that kicked my behind. So here we are. Um, And I said, well, I can do anesthesia on animals, but can't (laughs) end up at school with a crappy C minus in organic chemistry. So I guess I'll do anesthesia on people because you don't don't have to do that. You don't have to take organic chemistry, which is surprising. Yeah, that Um, is a little bit. We'll have to talk about that later because now I have questions and concerns. You have thermoses for that. You have Google for this. You have, you have WebMD uh, right. for that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that's interesting. You know, actually recently, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I've been looking into equine science programs, not for any other reason than just, I want to learn more about the animal. And I feel like if I 
could understand the animal better, my handicapping would be better. Mm-hmm. I could hear Gorgo and uh, uh, Benny screaming at me right now. You don't need to get another degree in order to better understand horses. But like, that's how I learn. The more information, the more confounding. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and that is probably why my handicapping has been a hot mess lately. Cause I've just been trying to incorporate too much and I, I do need to go back to the basics and, and perfect that. But I would love to get your opinion on the horse that I think is going to ra- uh, win race nine at Santa Anita. And I'm interested to see uh, if you're on the same page or if you've gone a different route. So pardon the pun. Um, I am liking the seven hail freedom, uh, in that race. And the trainer is, uh, Doug O'Neill, Mike Smith will be riding him. So I don't know. He looks like he might be a winner to me. And is the price is nice. It's a four to one. So it's not too terrible. I think. Agreed. I have this, uh, roulette factor that I, put into so I have this process I'll go through several screens and I'll be like all right if I were playing roulette who would I throw who who would I throw (laughs) a token on the table like don't tell me you were raised in a casino without telling me you were raised right yeah I'm like learning so much about you tonight I love it um so here's what I'm liking two and seven are my are my numbers if I'm just looking at numbers two and seven and then a 13 if the field allows so Totally okay. baseless, um, no skill, just stupid. Um, if you've seen the skit on Saturday Night Live, and I believe they've taken it off of uh, the web for the most part, but oh, it's no. uh, Peyton Manning spoof on ESPN, and he and this um, <gasps> sorority girl are the finalists of a NCAA basketball bracket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the highest score going into the final four, and the commentators are picking their brain on how they arrived to these choices because, you know, sometimes I'll look at a card and I'll be like, I never would have gotten to this horse going four or five, six deep. How uh-huh. did you get this horse? You know, you just <laughs> want to ask people, how, like how? Yeah, right. What, what were you thinking? Um, what were just, you on? <laughs> so what did, what did he's you He's like, well, I used this uh, <laughs> program and I use a computer and this algorithm and I I got this degree in statistical analysis and here we are with quantum physics and this is what I got and then she's like well I really like huskies and the color's blue and <laughs> and sometimes I feel like that and I'm just like oh I just doubt everything at that point yeah yeah I've and done that as well where I'm just exhausted and I'm like okay we're just going to pick the prettiest name Yes. The saying is better lucky than good, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won my matchup last weekend and I knew it was just luck. Like it was a one-off. I just picked the right races, but I was thankful. You gamble on a long shot or you gamble on somebody to finish above what everybody else thinks and you're Mm -hmm. beating the odds. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) right and that's one of the things i enjoy about horse racing so much is that no matter how much of the science and your methods and your handicapping process there's always going to be an element of luck the variables can change as soon as the horse breaks from the gate you know everything can go awry i really like 
that it's not something you can perfect. Correct. Yeah. Like um, make your own deal, get there however you get there. And then the, the worst mistake I make is going and looking at other people's opinions. Right. Oh, if I immediately second guess myself and the same people whose opinions I'm looking at, I'll say to them, oh, now I'm not thinking that I like the horse I picked as much. And they immediately always say to me, no, 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 no. Don't let anybody talk you off your pick. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But how, how do you not do that when you are talking with someone who maybe sounds super confident? Like what, what tells you like, no, I'm going to stick with my horse. Oh gosh. I guess the, the old adage of in school where you were taught never to change your first answer. <laughs> yeah. Just good call. Go with your in my brain for 20 years through school. Yeah post-grad, graduate, all of that. Um, so when I'm looking at the seven for race nine on, mm-hmm. on Sunday, I like the matchup, of course. Um, the dog is local trainer, you know, California-based, mm-hmm. essentially. I know he has horses all over. Then uh, Mike, of course, has actually had a very good fall season, fall meet at Santa Anita. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious that... Mike isn't paired up with Blatt's horse, the nine. Oh. Um, and I honestly didn't look too hard back at the uh, nine's previous entries. So I like that uh, Doug has Mike named for the mount. Mm-hmm. The breeding. I don't typically look at it at this age. If it was like a true maiden or two-year-old race perhaps I would if they're trying a new distance so why wouldn't you look at the breeding at this age I I think that I find myself like getting deterred on other factors so obviously a stallion isn't gonna bat 100 percent okay even though a mare is gonna predict the goal for a specific course Mm-hmm. match up with a stallion um at this point especially a horse with 15 starts you're beyond that right so right. you're more into the conditioning of the trainer the the horse's performance at this point mm-hmm. so you're you're literally just judging the horse so rule out everything else so if i could design my ideal pps i'd be blind to trainer jockey pedigree and just look at his PPs first, if I could do that. So if I could like click to progress through uh, PPs for a race, that's what I would I would want to see uh, with horses with this many starts. Gotcha. And so and you, just, you just Sorry. actually blew my mind. Uh, because no one has ever said that to me before, because I don't usually look at age. I know Benny looks at a lot, but I don't because I don't know how to interpret it. But the idea that when a horse gets to a certain age, it's old enough and been conditioned enough that you don't need to necessarily think about, you know, their breeding makes so much sense. Well, I think that you would hope a horse of this age would have that. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, some may have been claimed at some point along the way or changed mm-hmm. ownership or partnerships. And then they decided to go with a different trainer or maybe the horse progressed 
to a different class and, or, you know, they wanted to race in a different area for uh, different state bred bonuses or benefits or incentives. Um, So, but for the most part, I, I do try to just look at the actual true horses performance. So if I could go through, I would cover up, (laughs) cover up all that info information. Yes. Yeah. And look at the um, even if it's a new distance, I still just want to see you. So does a horse with this many starts, uh, the seven hail freedom with 15 starts at, at four years old, is that something that would concern you or is that horse sort of on track? Pardon the pun again. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the same age are having a limited number of starts per year, depending on when they started. And this guy has 15 starts, but has finished in the money in 13. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that really um, is. And even this year, then I'll go back and look at the year specifically. Mm-hmm. Seven starts this year. We're in the 10th month. I, it's uh, it really depending on the program, but that's not anything extreme. It's not like he's running back four weeks in a row. And it's gotcha. not like he's had six months off. So Gotcha. Uh, I know a lot of people like to shy away from the one off the way off type deal or um, over overused type of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll look at the date of their last race and then I'll look at their workouts. And if they've worked out on this track or if they shipped them some, from somewhere, and, um, you can see his last workout at Santa Anita is the fastest time of that group going mm-hmm. at that distance on that day so wow like everything looks like very highly in his favor so okay so then you said the two you were looking at the two and the seven and i was looking at the seven and the nine who you also mentioned because i noticed that aligato beat hail freedom and i'm wondering if they made duel on the front end, if they, you know, break relatively close to each other, is that something I should consider before I make my final choice and put down money on the horse? Or do you think that, you know, that hail freedom is just a little bit better than the nine and and should be fine on his own? So I am sure somebody much more educated and experienced in that department could Mm -hmm. direct you. I, tend to and is a fault of mine where I don't look too much at pace depending on the distance so Mm -hmm. for the shorter races I try not to focus on it too much gotcha for the longer ones I'm gonna look at that um six and a half furlongs I'm gonna look at early speed to be honest um Mm -hmm. and I do like the jock and the trainer match up for the nine mm-hmm. and i would probably include him if i were building a serial ticket or if i were even like a trifecta um gotcha for whatever reason the two i like the japanese sire here mm-hmm. on turf and i <laughs> it's like one of those things is like i can't tell you why because this year hasn't been particularly phenomenal for them. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know why one of these things is, and maybe it's because 
subconsciously I've been beaten by the two when I've been beaten at Keeneland. Oh. <laughs> so it's like the twos in my head. Um, gotcha. So I think little things like that is right. either divert you from your initial pick or, you know, solidify you eliminating one horse from if you're doing a pick four or pick five, whatever. Gotcha. And, and so when I look at the two, one of the things that concerns me was that Bravo was riding for a good long time and then seems to be jumping off. And I don't have as much experience with that particular jockey. And look, this is me again, focusing way too much on the jockey, but like, so those, that is something I consider. And one of the reasons I didn't make Aligato like my top pick was because uh, Rispoli, I, I never know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Pratt was on the horse and jumped off. And now it's, it's uh, Rispoli or Rispoli. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that was kind of a, con- a concern for me. I, I don't do well when I bet uh, Rispoli. So, but I do do well when I bet Mike Smith. So. As most people do. Right, right. So it's very, very hard to, to live away from him. And right. he's one of those, I feel like he's like my West Coast Rosario. If no. I leave him off, he's going to beat me. He is. Yeah, right. Uh, but if I include him or if I single him, it's like he was almost there or something happened. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I didn't even look at the chosen Vron and that, you know, that horse currently is the favorite, I believe. Um, and that is, I didn't recognize the trainer. And I think two weekends ago when we were at Santa and needed together, I think Barrios had a great weekend. Oh yeah. I think, well, yeah, I think he's, I, I think he's very underrated, underrated in the sense mm-hmm. of national rankings however i think that california uh betters are or players are very uh, attuned to his ability so i would yeah i would not leave him out unless i was like very 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 adamant no this horse has got it on all aspects and and that's it (laughs) oh yeah right right huh and this horse does seem that chosen Vron seems to be okay with sprints not as great with uh routes mm-hmm. so yeah i, I mean I, I definitely understand why this horse has the the morning line that it does i'm just hoping that alligato can uh or not alligato excuse me hail freedom uh no no can... now we have to bet the nine i know now. <laughs> <laughs> now i'm gonna have to do That's two it. separate bets Everybody bet the nine yeah right i'm screwed <laughs> I'm screwed. Uh, I need to develop my soup, my horse racing superstitions a little bit more. Um, oh, like I can't speak it into being right. I, I put it out into the universe. Damn it. Um, so hot box. I liked, but only because of the name. Um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just have to go with that, right? Sometimes you have to go with that. I did avoid the 11, the 21, excuse me, 20 to one straight up G because the last time I bet a damn horse, sorry, the producer oh, last the time. Yeah. Right. Trip G's <laughs> screwed me over. So no more G's for me. That's all I have to say, but I definitely think I'm going to tomorrow attempt to put together uh, a pick five. And then on Sunday, I am going to put money on, um, well, Hail Freedom and Aligato, of course, now. 
So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I feel like the, uh, the mandatory payouts for the tracks are the equivalent of these sales, like the buy one, get one sales for typical women. I don't consider myself one because I hate shopping. Ooh, same. Don't buy, buy things or be around yeah. other people other than track people. Amen. <laughs> it's like you've talked yourself into you're losing money if you don't bet this. Yeah. So you have to go in for the mandatory payouts. Yeah. And, so and I really like the way you explained it. It makes sense to me. So I, I feel like it really is. It would be a shame for me to it not, not at least, you know, attempt it. That's correct. And this is my father's philosophy on the lottery. You can't win if you don't play. I think Michael Jordan had a similar philosophy. You lose <laughs> all of the shots you don't make or something Little like known that. Fact, that was Michael Jordan. Just kidding. Just no! Kidding. <laughs> no fake dad sports jokes with, with everything going on, but yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but I would love that. That would be great. We'd have to get, uh, we'd have to get dear old dad out to the track, but, uh, so, okay. Any, I mean, that was quite the education for me. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. I was like, I can't, if I had visuals, I would love to have the chart. Yeah. I, that has the the exponential chart of crazy versus hotness. Like, way down at the bottom uh-huh left <laughs> yeah right yeah. well so i i've been working a lot with briz uh Brisnet's uh pps lately mm-hmm. and are you a briz gal or are you a drf gal yeah briz sounds hot um yeah no, I, I actually don't i like to call myself an equal opportunist um, okay I, I don't want to eliminate one altogether or the other so i right. will actually use both somewhat equally i think i tend to lean a, a bit towards Brisna just because mm-hmm. that's just sort of what i use the most i suppose um i know a lot of people are, are hardcore drf fans and that sounds mm-hmm. like a search title on uPorn, but it's not <laughs> it um, really does <laughs> Right. Or a relationship status on a dating app. You know, I'm DRF. Um, <laughs> so the, I use mostly the DRF only because like you just mentioned, that's where I, I, I learned there. And so that format is more familiar with, uh, to me, but when I look at the Briz, I, I feel like the amount of information they have there is fantastic but because I don't have a great handle on it and I'm not as familiar with the format, it's overwhelming for me. Right. Yeah. I think I feel like most, uh, I, there's lots of new, um, I guess, digestifs, aperitifs for whatever you want to get your, uh, data from, or, um, look at different algorithms or computer generated stats. Um, there's lots of ways to go about it. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm allowed to say this anymore because of PETA, but there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Um, so <laughs> you can get to, uh, you can get to the same number using different formats. However, mm-hmm. I feel like you have a different argument for how you got there, just depending on what you use. Yeah. Huh. I don't think you would ever have a morning line favorite if you didn't get to some similar conclusion from 
from all the data. So right, right. So there's um, some Wizard of Oz. I think somewhere. Been, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. I think there's a benefit to any yeah. type of um, past mm-hmm. performance history or even uh, predictions of the uh, maiden crop. You know, if they're a true maiden. Um, Obviously, there's a higher percentage of Justifies and Mendelssohn's and City of Lights, mm-hmm. and even the Bolt Doro and B Jersey babies winning. Um, yeah, huh. that wouldn't be the single factor that I chose for a horse, but uh, right, right, yeah, huh? Well, okay, so this weekend, the league, um, our podcast league for the ladies isn't handicapping, but next weekend we're at Laurel have, do you have a lot of experience with Laurel? Do you have any advice for anyone? No. Um, I used to date a guy who was like (laughs) president of the Maryland jockey club or something. So I might him and be like, Hey, what do you you Um, know? Yeah. (laughs) so bad um i think laurel's a beautiful track uh, i think their turf is uh in good shape i know we're heading into the drier winter portion of the season in that area of the country um but i i'll probably pull on some resources just because it's not a track that i typically play and i know a lot of people that play regularly um they're like pick a track or pick two tracks if your mm-hmm. favorite track doesn't run on you know on any regular schedule yeah. and stick with it uh which is what i've tried to do with keeneland all year because the breeders cup is at keeneland so i tried to handicap keeneland in the spring every day mm-hmm. and then i've been in the course of handicapping keeneland every day this fall just to sort of prepare myself and all of it's going to go in the trash because when the euros ship in we're going to get our butts kicked again gosh yeah the euros fascinate me what beautiful animals too i don't know what they're doing over there but i can like i i can't identify it on the track but as soon as i see it on the pp i'm like oh okay i have to pay special attention to this horse they're they're usually just gorgeous animals but but they're like they don't have lasix over there or they don't allow lasix is in england i'm thinking is that true or no do you know? I, so I am not a professional on, on this topic or educated in that area. I do watch a lot of overseas stuff, including mm-hmm. Japan and Hong Kong, but I don't believe that any of the prep races or stakes races, they allow any medication whatsoever. Um, and it wow. could be a hundred percent like no go yeah. on every single race. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not better. Oh no, you're first. fine. I was just spitballing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So with that in mind, hypothetically speaking, when people bring their horses over, do they just juice the hell out of them and see what they can do? Or do they maintain the same standards uh, from, I guess, the horse's home country or home track when they come over here? That would be interesting. I would love to know that. I know that uh, different regulations are state dependent on top of the Breeders' Cup regulations. So um, I know a lot of the tracks have moved towards any derby qualifying race or Oaks qualifying race. They're not allowed to use uh, certain medications. So right. I would honestly have to look at the um, outside 
of competition testing to see the, yeah. the withdrawal dates. I know that certain medications are allowed up mm-hmm. until a certain window and then interesting. And then nothing. So I, huh. I wish if I had passed organic chemistry and become a vet, I probably could have that answer for you the drop of a hat. But. I would have loved that, but you know what? Missed opportunities. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. I will have to, and I will not play the uh, WebMD uh, keyboard uh, internet expert on this. So right. I'll yeah, no, to the actual professionals with degrees. Right. And the, last, the last time I went to WebMD, I convinced myself I had prostate cancer for about 10 minutes. Mm. It was the most terrifying 10 minutes of my life, but thank and then goodness. You're like, How did this happen? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's just a cold. Um, it's not a tumor. It's not, it's not tumor. oh, I loved that movie. It's not a tumor. Um, anyway, so, all right. Well, I think we, we broke this down a little bit and I'm going to let you get back to the, the hubby and, uh, and that beautiful evening. It looks like you're experiencing out in Florida. So, uh, thank you for entertaining me for the last 40 minutes. I appreciate it and you so much. I've given the end of the Billy Madison Jeopardy round. And it's like at no point in your rambling, incoherent, stumbling, bumbling, (laughs) have you convinced anybody of anything? Um, Oh, God. You and I have seen the same movies. I love it. I'm well-versed in movie quotes. So if you want to talk about that, I am. Right. We'll have to do a podcast just on that one episode. Um, But just for the people out in the audience, just so you know, The goal is to go visual next week, uh, which gives uh, Carson and I, you know, the heebie-jeebies a little bit, but Nancy seems more than happy with it. We did a practice run last week. And unfortunately, I just don't think, you know, uh, I certainly wasn't polished enough and there may have been a little lag in the video. So we're working out those technical issues, but we're definitely going to go visual soon and you'll be able to see the looks on our faces when we say some of the things that we do. So Carson and I now have a week to get ourselves mentally prepared for that. <sighs> or to it. Thank you. for right. Your <laughs> right. Right. So, but all right then, ma'am, go back to the fam and I love you to bits. And it was so good to meet you two weeks ago and I can't wait to do it again. You too. Yes. We'll be back out soon. Yay. <laughs> back soon. Back good, soon. good, good. All right, then <laughs> I will talk to you soon. We love you, Nancy. We miss you. It's not the same without you. And we'll all be back together next week. Have a good night, everybody. Um, are you sure you want to so quick?